Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You have 7,000 high-ranking officials, people, major players within the world at this point in time. Gone. Gone. You know, the ones who are like, seem to be untouchable, right? Those ones who seem to be untouchable. We even see that within our day and age. Somebody will pass away and we're like, no, they can't die. Kobe Bryant, you can't die. As Pastor James continues his teaching series through the book of Revelation, he'll be explaining how God will bring judgment on the wicked in the last days. Jesus will bring punishment on those political leaders who have made wicked dealings in secret and grew in power and money while allowing others to suffer. Jesus will come again, and he'll right all wrongs. It seems like many wicked leaders are untouchable right now, but one day they will face God. No one can hide from the Lord. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 11 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless, bread for the broken. It's not the first time we've seen these phrases where it talks about people, peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations. You've seen that in heaven. And what do you, the, you, can, you can tell the, the contrast there. When you see that mentioned about people who are in heaven, they're rejoicing, they're celebrating, but not in death, but in life. And here for these people who have gone through tremendous things, we, we know this, we've been walking through Revelation and so many catastrophic things have happened and, you know, to top it all off, you got these two witnesses, and man, they just won't shut up. They just keep going on and on and talking about Jesus. And anytime you try to harm them, you end up, somebody ends up dying. Like, you can't even, met, you can't even touch these guys. And finally, finally, they're brought down. And everybody, all the world, it doesn't matter what language you speak, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, it doesn't matter what your nationality, it does not matter. Everybody is celebrating that these two troublemakers are now dead. Three and a half days will not allow their dead bodies to be put in graves, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. <laughs> They'll rejoice over them, they're celebrating. They're making merry, so they're technically, that's the biblical way of saying they are partying, and there's always um, excessive drinking that goes along with making merry, okay? I hope you know that. Read through the Bible, and anytime you see making merry, there is an, an abundance and excess of alcohol that is associated with that. Read the book of Esther, okay? They're making merry, and not only that, Not only are they celebrating, not only are they rejoicing, they are sending gifts to one another. They're sending gifts to each other, presents. They make this a, not not even a national holiday, this is a global holiday for three, it's only three and a half days, okay? So how are they sending gifts to each other? Amazon Prime, are you kidding me? Two and two day delivery. Like they are like zipping presents around, all over the world, everybody's getting a gift. 
Why? What's the celebration? What's, what's it? Is it my, it's not my birthday. I know. But these dudes are dead. These dudes are dead. Well, how do you have money to buy presents? Because a loaf of bread costs a lot of money. You must be really willing to celebrate the death of these two individuals if you're dropping some, well, nobody's using cash at this point in time. It's all like digital currency. I can promise you that. They must have really loved the fact that these two guys were dead, that if they were willing to spend their own money, which is hard to come by, in exchanging gifts with one another. I mean, that should just clue you into the, the hatred that is here. Uh-oh. Three and a half days later. <laughs> there's that, there's that, that number again. Three and, a half, three and a half days, okay? So three and a half days later, as everybody is still celebrating, everybody's, you know, just having a grand old time, something happens. God breathes life into these guys. That's really technically what it's saying. The breath of life from God entered into them. This makes you think back in Genesis chapter one when God formed Adam from the dirt and God breathed life into Adam. God breathes life back into these two witnesses and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Of course, of course, you're there. You know, who knows what the world even looks like at this point in time, but you know, everything's been damaged, so to speak. I mean, you got trees that have like been decimated and fresh water supplies and, and all this stuff, like just chaos and destruction everywhere. And then you're just trying to, you know, go about your business, you know, resume life as normal, life as usual. And then, are those dudes moving? I saw their chest go up. Wait, they're standing up. They're standing up. That's, this is three and a half days. This is like, you know, medically speaking, you are dead. You're gone. Three and a half days, you're gone. But they're standing up. And great fear fell on those who saw them. Now remember, uh, more than likely, the world, and maybe this has become old news, so to speak, but the cameras, I can promise you, are still on these guys. And they heard, who's the they? The, the they could be the two witnesses. They heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. So this is sometimes where people would say, well, see, this is the rapture, right? Come up here and, and this is it. Um, <clears throat> well, that doesn't explain the first come up here, okay, so to speak. Uh, when you go back into the earlier part of Revelation, all right? Because um, this isn't the first time this has been stated. In fact, this is probably the third time in Revelation that this phrase has been stated. <clears throat> the first one was to John, and then to the church, and now to the two witnesses, okay? So these guys hear a voice, so you can even imagine that, because there's no indication that the people hear the voice, but they, they certainly do see the guys going up. Because it says right here, it says, uh, they ascended to heaven and their enemies saw them. So it's like, it's not enough that they raised from the dead three and a half days later, but then they're floating up to heaven. They're like, what? They're like, no, that's, wait, what? And then they're, they're gone. They're gone. I think that would have an impact on you. I would like to think that, you know, Meteors falling from the sky, smashing into the earth and de decimating, you know, lots of stuff on this planet would have an impact on you as well, but it didn't. But watching two guys go from being dead to three and a half days later, standing up and then floating up to heaven, that might have an impact on you. That might be enough to wake you up.
And apparently, it does have an impact on people. It says, in the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. So the same city, we could still be talking about Jerusalem there. It says, in the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to, to the God of heaven. So an interesting thing here um, with this 7,000 people, because that's a very specific number, okay? Uh, other translations would render this 7,000 great people, meaning people of importance, okay? So that's, that's the, note, the thought here is like, well, okay, so was this a localized earthquake or was this a global earthquake? I believe like along with some other guys that this is actually like a global earthquake and that you have 7,000 high-ranking officials, people, major players within the world at this point in time, gone, gone. You know, the ones who are like, seem to be untouchable, right? Those ones who seem to be untouchable. We even see that within our day and age. Somebody will pass away and we're like, oh, no, they can't die. Kobe Bryant, you can't die. I'm a basketball fan, like grew up playing basketball, watching basketball, watching Kobe Bryant, all this stuff. I remember when I saw that, that article came through and I'm like, no, 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 he can't. No, he, he, he can't die. Why not? Well, no, they can and they do. This says within the, the, the wording there, technically it's 7,000 people of, of importance, 7,000 people who are known throughout the world, gone. And this earthquake really does wake up some, some individuals. It says the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. So what does that mean? Is that repentance? Is that a turning to him? Is it not? We're not really given much more details other than they were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Well, who, who are the people? Is it the people of the earth? Is it people in Jerusalem? I mean, who? Who is it? Don't know. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter who it is. Maybe what matters the most is the fact that for some people, this was their wake-up call. Because what we need to realize, because we have been going through just hard stuff, hard stuff, hard stuff. What we need to remember is that people are getting saved during this time. It's not all bleak. It's not all like nobody wants Jesus. It, it does seem like a majority of individuals don't want anything to do with him. But people are getting saved during this time. And maybe for some, this was like the wake-up call of like, you know what? I... I'm, I'm going to give glory to God. I'm going to give glory to God. So the second woe is past. And behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So here we go. We have a seventh trumpet here. And, and this is a, a fascinating little, little thing here. It's like this, the scene shifts on us. It says, the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and who is to come because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your, 
and your wrath has come. The time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servant, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those or should destroy those who destroy the earth or who pollute the earth is another way to say that. So here, here in the midst of this, you got the seventh angel, the, the seventh trumpet blast goes out, and then we're, we're looking at these 24 elders. And, and what they're proclaiming is the kingdom of this world, uh, what, what mine says is have become, technically in the Greek, that should be are becoming. Okay, so it's a, it's a statement that is made uh, from confidence. Whoops. I'm dropping water. Um, lids on, so it's cool. Um, but it, it's a statement that's coming like from confidence saying, this is what is going to happen, okay? The, the same kind of example would be, by his stripes, you are healed, okay? So when Isaiah wrote that, he wasn't literally saying at that moment in time, like, because Jesus hadn't shown up yet. But what he's doing, he's making a prophecy, uh, this prophetic claim that, hey, the Messiah is going to show up and he's going to get beaten. And by his stripes comes your healing. So what, he's, what they're saying here is like uh, the, the nations, um, they, they belong to Jesus or they are becoming his kingdom. So it's, we're working through this, this time of tribulation and, and all this stuff belongs to Jesus is what this is saying. And, and he's coming back. He's establishing his throne, his rule, and his reign. So a, a good little heads up at the, in, right in the middle point of the tribulation. Because we're going to deal with some of these kingdoms in, a, in this latter part of, of Revelation leading up to you know, the, the end of it all. Uh, you got the great Babylon that needs to fall and all this stuff. Like we're going we're gonna to deal with all these things. But what, what the 24 elders are proclaiming is like, look, Jesus is coming back and he's setting up his kingdom. He's like, I, they're like, we don't care who's in charge. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter because all this belongs to Jesus and he's coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom, period. That's it. And they're singing this song proclaiming this worship to God because, well, he is worthy of it. And they're proclaiming the fact that they're like, look, here's the heads up, everybody. You're messing up this planet. He's coming back to set it straight. He's going to, you're destroying, you know, he's here to destroy those who destroy the earth. Um, I mean, he's, ultimately, you can boil this down into judgment. His just judgment is coming. And not only for those who commit wickedness towards like other humans, but it's also against his creation. Don't think that God doesn't notice when we destroy his creation. He's aware of that. And we should be just as aware of that as well. He's made this beautiful planet, this great thing. And you go back to Genesis and you can see everything he made was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. And then he got to mankind. It was very good. And just like that, we messed it up. <laughs> we messed it up. And not just, uh, you know, our relationship with God, but then we take his creation and we have, I mean, we do a tremendous job of messing up this beautiful thing that he made. We're really good at it. We're really good at it. And God's like, look, I'm going to remake this whole thing, but you guys need to understand 
my judgment and my justice is not just towards humanity for the, you know, it, it, it all is sin, but you got to understand God takes everything seriously in the sense of our acts against each other, but also our acts against his creation. Meaning this, if you're abusing his creation, I'll, I'll use the example of animals. If you're abusing animals, do you think God smiles at that? No, he doesn't. Why? Well, because he made those animals. That doesn't mean we elevate animals above humans. No, no, certainly not. Certainly not. But it better mean that we respect them because they are his creation. We ought to respect this planet because it's what he's made. We should cherish it. We should take care of that. Our last surf camp, paddling out, you know, all the stuff. Just sitting there floating, and all, what comes floating next to me? A plastic bottle. And I'm like, dude, come on. Seriously? So what do you do? I grab it, paddle back in, go to the trash can, throw it in the trash can, and I'm mad because I had to get out of the water to throw away somebody's trash. That, no, it's not your trash can. It's not your trash can. Now, again, we got to keep priority straight, okay? Um, especially within our culture, especially within our culture, because we prioritize, unfortunately, animals over human life way too much. Do animals matter? Absolutely, absolutely. But man, we, we, we got tons of money going to save animals, and it's hard to generate enough funds to go save babies. And there's something wrong with that, okay? Should we take care of, yeah, we should take care of animals. We should rescue animals. We should do all that stuff. Treat them kindly. Jesus even talked about that in the Gospels, about treating animals kindly. But man, uh, we, we, we kind of mess up this stuff. But I love this, that the Lord, it, it, it's even included. In there, and, you know, he's like, look, um, the earth, it's mine. Those animals, they're mine. They're mine. What a beautiful, how amazing, how amazingly creative God is that he creates all these animals, all different, all weird looking. And there's animals out there that we don't even know exist. And every single one of them belongs to him. Every single one of them belongs to him. He's coming back. Judgment, justice, creation groans for his return. It groans for his return. It's like, why, God, did you stick us with these guys? <laughs> like, they're just, yeah, they're just messing up what you made. It's, oh, it was beautiful. No, it's, listen, this, this should also excite us for what's to come when you have a new heaven and a new earth and no sin. Can you imagine how fun that's going to be? Can you imagine how incredible a new heaven and a new earth is going to be minus sin, and you get to enjoy it. It's, oh, it's going to be just phenomenal. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait for that day. We're not there yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. Verse 19, the last one of this chapter, it says, the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple in heaven. There you go, Indiana Jones. That's where it's at. It's in heaven, dude. He's looking in the wrong spots, right? Everybody's looking for the ark. It's like, no, it's up there. Apparently, it's just up there. Um, 
Could it be down here on this earth and all that good stuff? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, there were lightnings and noises and thunders and earthquake and great hail. So it's just like heaven opens up and you can see and it's like, whoa, the throne room of God. The throne room of God is like opened up so that maybe all can see. What a, what like maybe a shot of encouragement, if, if you're keeping it within the context of the story here, and you have these individuals who do give glory to the God of heaven, and they're giving, they're giving glory to the God of heaven, and they happen to look up, and heaven is, the sky is like peeled back, and it's like they get a glimpse of what's happening up there. You need to understand, at this point in time, this should be very reminiscent for us if you've done any church history at all. There was a, there was a, there's been several points in time throughout church history that people knew if I give my life to Jesus, more than likely I'm going to die. Okay, that's been, a lot of people on our planet have lived with that reality. People live on our, our planet right now with that reality. If I get saved, if I give my life to Jesus, if I become a Christ follower, more than likely I'm going to die. That could be, that's a very real reality for anybody who gets saved during the tribulation. What a shot of encouragement, I would think, if you're there understanding like, man, we've seen what's happened to these other Christians because people are losing their lives during this time period simply because they're Christians. So you can understand the, the struggle maybe for people to, you know, to jump over to that side during these difficult times. What I would envision as just a, a dose of encouragement to be like, man, all right, Jesus, I'm following you. And he's like, hey, check this out. Here's heaven. Look at this. The throne, the, the, the ark is up there. This is what's waiting for you. I don't know, purely speculation on my part. But, I mean, it's, it's opened up. It says, you know, the temple of God was, was open in heaven. The ark and his covenant were seen in his temple. And there were, I mean, it was just crazy and just amazingness that was happening there. And then you go into chapter 12. Chapter 12 is a unique chapter, okay? So you're going through the 11. It won't take us long to go through this because chapter 12 is kind of like a, a summary of world history, so to speak, biblical world history, what we could say. Going all the way back into the garden and then right up until this moment where we're the, the midpoint of the three and a half years for the tribulation. Okay, so here's John, and he says, verse, verse 1 of chapter 12, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now there's this rule of thumb when it comes to Bible study. It's the rule of first mention, okay? First mention. So this is one of those things, because you look at this and you're like, what in the world? Well, this has been mentioned somewhere else. In fact, I would think it was Genesis chapter 37. If I'm getting that right, if I'm, let me check my cross-references. Well, it's not there. Okay, I didn't write it down. Cool. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's Genesis chapter 37. But this is, this is talking about Jacob and his family. So who's the woman with the, with the sun and the moon under her feet and the garland of the 12, 12 stars? Man, 12, that sounds, like a, that sounds like a familiar number. Well, yeah. Think of Jacob and his 12 sons. This is Israel. This is Israel. There's no doubt about it. I can say that with 100% confidence. 
If you're wondering, like, who's this lady? This is Israel. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. It's so important to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And one of those ways is to study His Word. At Bread for the Broken, we want to help you with this by providing as many tools as possible, like our online library of teachings. If you enjoyed today's teaching from the book of Revelation, you can hear it again on our website at breadforthebroken.com. You can also find other verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings by clicking on the Teachings tab. If you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to have you visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet every Sunday and Wednesday for a time of worship and Bible study. We're a laid-back church and encourage you to always come as you are. You can find directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so feel free to drop us a note in the contact form to let us know how we can be praying for you. Would you also consider partnering with us here at Bread for the Broken in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry and in many ways a mission field. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team at Bread for the Broken? Pray that we would all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and we'd be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Would you also pray about supporting this ministry financially? All donations can be made securely online at breadforthebroken.com and are greatly appreciated. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in to be with us today on Bread for the Broken.